Welcome to the show. It is the Food Apocalypse Now podcast. I'm Chris Baker from Food Apocalypse Now. Welcome back. Our second episode where we're going to talk about just about anything. Uh, you know, to, like I said in our first episode, uh, foodies are into more than just food. And so sometimes we're going to talk about food. Sometimes we're going to talk about restaurants. Sometimes we're going to talk about professional wrestling. Sometimes we're going to talk about the latest book I've read. Uh, sometimes we're going to talk about the TV show I'm watching. Who knows? It's a uh, cornucopia of topics to be had here at Food Apocalypse Now's podcast. And uh, although this actually is going to be about food and restaurants, so uh, we're not going to veer too far off course right away. But I thought in this episode, and I I like to be a pretty positive guy. I want this to be a positive thing. But sometimes you go to a restaurant and you don't have a very positive experience. And that that is always sad, especially if the food's really good. Uh, a positive experience can make it that much better. A negative experience can ruin the whole meal. Uh, I, I've had that happen before. And with Food Apocalypse Now's uh, blog, uh, where I write about different restaurants and where I've been and, and what I've eaten at these different restaurants. I always try to write s- as positive as I can. I'm not going to write uh, a negative uh, blog about a restaurant. If I don't have a good experience, if the food's not good, if the experience isn't good, I'm just not going to write about the restaurant. I only write about the restaurants and, and the food that I really love and just have a wonderful experience And because I want, I want the blog to be as positive as possible. But... I don't write about every restaurant I go to. So, you know, there are some bad experiences in there that I, you just never know about. I never tell you about it because, like I said, I want to keep things positive on the Food Apocalypse Now uh, blog. But, uh, you know, there are some, some negative experiences that people have at restaurants. And, you know, sometimes it's things that could be remedied. If just uh, things were looked at in a different light. So so this podcast, I'm going to be talking about my five pet peeves when going out to a restaurant. And in no particular order, we're just going to talk and discuss and share. And uh, one of my one of my big pet peeves, and this is more of a, a personal thing, maybe maybe no fault of the restaurant. Uh, maybe maybe it is. I don't know. But I'm a bigger guy. And when my wife and I go to a restaurant and we're being seated, a lot of times, most restaurants are going to ask you, would you like a table? Would you like a booth? Well, I know I'm a bigger guy and some booths can be very uh, unforgiving to bigger guys uh, in the waistline area. So we'll usually pick a table, but sometimes you go to a restaurant and you're not given a choice and that, you know. That can be because the restaurant is is pretty crowded. You know, I go to a lot of restaurants where it, it's just hopping all the time. And they, there's really not a lot of options when it comes to seating. So they're just trying to seat you wherever they have a space. And and I get that. I understand that. But, uh, you know, when, when you look at me and you're thinking, uh, I'm going to put him in a booth. And our booths aren't very big. Uh, are you going to provide me a shoehorn to get me into that booth? I've I've tried to sit at booths where it was so crammed. There was so little room between the table and the back of the booth that I I wondered who the engineer was that designed this because there's no way that anybody under a buck twenty five or over a buck twenty five in weight is going to be able to to shimmy in there. Uh, I could barely get my big ham hock thighs <laughs> into the booth, and uh, and you know. 
I, one of my biggest pet peeves is when you're being seated. Uh, you know, whoever's seating you, you, you gotta, you gotta read the room. You gotta read your, read your guests. Uh, because if if the one of them looks a little long in the waistband like yours truly, uh, maybe maybe kind of gauge our booths. Uh, maybe maybe fine for you, but they might not be fine for this fella. Uh, so maybe either either wait. I I'm certainly one that I will wait and not pitch a fit if if it means. Uh, trying to cram myself into a booth or having to wait a few more extra minutes to sit at the table, I'll I'll, I'll wait so I can sit comfortably. Because it's all about, you know, when you're having a dining experience, if I got to suck it in so bad and I got the table cutting into my gut, I- I'm not having a, a good start to my, my dining experience. And I want my dining experience to be all-encompassing, not just the food. I want the atmosphere. I want the comfortability of where I'm sitting to to play a part in that. And if I'm going to be uh, a little more comfortable at a table, uh, you know, I, I just, I guess, it, it, you know, it seems a bit negative. I, it's, I should probably just go, like, walk around the block a few times. And I, I am. I'm working on it. I'm working on the weight. Pretty soon, this isn't going to be a pet peeve of mine because it's not going to bother me. It's going to be somebody else's pet peeve and they can podcast about it. But just, like I said, read your clients. And if they look a little long in the waistband, maybe judge a little better or judge at all the fact that your booze may not be quite big enough to accommodate them. Uh, Another one of my pet peeves when it comes to uh, restaurants is restaurants that just can't pick a lane. Most restaurants I've gone to and I've written about are are very self-aware. They have an identity. They know who they are. They know what they want to be. And they present themselves as such, whether it be in the food, whether it be in the decor, whether it be in the atmosphere. And I've gone to some really great places that uh, just, you know, like I said, they know who they are. Uh, burgers, we talked about them in my last podcast, are, are like that. Uh Cowfish down in in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been there. They uh, they've got it all down from the food to the staff to the the decor to the atmosphere. They know who they are. Uh, another place around here, Talbots, is another great one. They have just uh, a fantastic decor, fantastic atmosphere, food. They've got it all. Uh, Tost is another one. I, the list could go on and on. There's a lot of great restaurants out there that know who they are. But then I've been to some restaurants where they just they're they're struggling to find their identity, and and that is is tough, especially when it comes to the food. I, I've known a lot of restaurants that are struggling to find their identity, and they can't pick a lane when it comes to what they're going to serve. Uh, one week they want to be the home of this the next week they want to be the home of that and they're constantly changing their menus to try and fit whatever they think is going to hit with the with the people coming in with the clientele that's going to be coming in uh to their restaurant or or shop or or what have you and uh, and and that i think is a detriment to what you're trying to do uh decide what you want to be decide what you want to do uh better than anybody else and pick that and be the home of that uh be the home of that style of food or that particular dish and and if you do what you do best and you do it better than anybody else then you're gonna make it uh people are gonna gravitate to that 
If you decide that I want to be the best at selling fried fish and you work on this recipe and you, you know, you've got it down, it's great grandma's recipe from way back and it's better than anybody else's and you do that and you market it that way, then, you know, people are going to come, people are going to try it. And if it is that good, if it is uh, TDG, that damn good. Then, then people are going to come, they're going to gravitate to that, and you're going to be known for that. And then you can try, you know, adding some, some different things into your menu, but, but pick an identity. Who do you want to be? Who do you want your restaurant to be? And then, you know, like I said, uh, pick that, uh, let your food reflect it, and then the decor, you know, pick a decor that matches that. Even better, yeah, it matches you. Uh, put a little of yourself into your decor. That's one of the things I loved about Talbots is that you can you can sell that, uh, you know, Talbot is in every piece of artwork that is in that building. It, it's something that you can tell he it, he gravitated to it, liked it, and he's got it in there. And you can tell it's, it's like having a little piece of him uh, in the restaurant with you at all times. Uh, that's that's what I think every restaurant should strive for is having that confidence in, in who they are uh, uh, as people, as restaurateurs and who they are as a restaurant and what they are serving as food and, and making your decor reflect who you are. Uh, kind of like your food. Uh, your food should reflect who you are. Uh, I think your decor and your atmosphere should reflect who you are. And like I said, one of my biggest pet peeves is, is restaurants that, that just can't pick a lane. So, uh, I, I think, you know, as a, as an advertiser, you know, a guy that works in advertising, uh, that's part of the best thing you can do is just pick a lane. And that kind of leads into to my next big pet peeve. Number three on my uh, top five, like I said, no particular order, but, uh, Restaurants that seem a bit duplicitous in what they're presenting. I've been to some restaurants where they present themselves as, uh, you know, home cooked, you know, like I said, grandma's recipes from, from way back. Uh, and you go there and you eat and the food's good, but there's just something off about it. And you realize that there's nothing fresh about this. All this stuff came from a box or a bag or a can. And if you're going to present yourself as a big dealer, or even better yet, if you want to be a big deal, then you got to act like a big deal. And being a big deal is about doing the best you can and putting out the best product you can. And that that's one of the things I love about places. You know, I'm going to talk about uh, places like Burgers and, and, and Talbots and Cowfish. And uh, there's a place, a Moose Cafe uh, up in the the mountains in, in North Carolina that are real like you know they they present themselves as something and they deliver each and every time with great fresh food food that's not coming from a box or a bag they're presenting themselves as a big deal because they are a big deal because they're putting out big deal type food and you know they got a lot of restaurants that they, they want to be in the game they want to be heavy hitters in the game but they don't want to put forth the effort in in creating good quality fresh food that's one of the things i love about burgers like i said First time I had burgers, I could taste the freshness. Everything's locally sourced there, and you can taste that in each and every burger. I taste it 
I tasted it the first burger I had from them. I have tasted it the last burger I had from them and every burger in between. You can taste freshness. You can taste when the ingredients are real and not just something that's been frozen for God knows how long and just you know pulled out of the freezer out of a box or a bag or opened up from a can and just you know heated up and slopped on your plate. People can tell that. And if you want to be a big deal, act like a big deal. Cook like a big deal. Uh, and that's, that's one of the most important things, you know, from the advertising, uh, you know, world that I, I live in, you know, it is all about presentation. It's all about how you present yourself and how you present yourself is speaks volumes by the type of ingredients you use and the way you treat your customers, the way you treat the food. Uh, so that's kind of a big pet peeve of mine is is businesses, uh, restaurants that, you know, they, they, they want to come across as a big deal. Uh, but, it, you know, their food it doesn't say big deal because it's all coming out of a box or a bag. And uh, that's not to say that can't be good from time to time. But, you know, people, people are going to be on to you. Sooner or later, people are going to be on to you. And if you're, especially, you know, you pay some of the prices that uh, some of these meals can command. And like I said, I'll, I'll pay a lot for a good meal that I can tell is fresh, that I can tell the, the chef, uh, it was a labor of love for them, much like this podcast and the, the website and the blog is for me. Uh, I can tell uh, when food is a labor of love and not just, you know, reheated out of a bag. Another pet peeve I have is when you're ordering off a menu and the menu, of course, most menus don't have pictures. Some do. Pictures are nice, but if I can't tell what I'm ordering off of your menu just by the name, then you gotta give a description. My one of my big pet peeves is not knowing what I'm reading on the menu. You know, you can go to a restaurant and you can see uh, Bob's Bongo Wings made with real bongo sauce. Well, I don't know who Bob is. I don't know what bongo sauce is, and I don't know what these wings are gonna taste like. So what? You know, how are you going to sell that to me? How are you selling that to me? If there's no picture, I can't even see what the color of the sauce is. Is it a dry rub? Is it, you know, is it a wet sauce? Who, who knows? Bob's Bongo Wings with real Bongo sauce doesn't say anything to me. And it kind of goes back to what I've been talking about. Maybe a lot of these things are, are presentation and in in advertising realm that, that I come from. You got to be able to tell me or any other patron that's come in what they're ordering. I don't want to have to ask the waitress about everything on the menu. I don't have that kind of time. But if you give me a little dis- description of, of what is Bob's bongo sauce or what is, what is real bongo sauce, if it's made with real bongo sauce, I have no idea what bongo sauce is. Uh, <laughs> hopefully nobody out there has. Nobody out there named Bob has a bongo sauce for wings because I'm just making this up off the top of my head. Any similarities between Bob and his bongo sauce and this broadcast are purely coincidental. But I get it. You know, you want to have fun names for for different things and and you can do that. But you got to be able to tell the the patron, you got to tell the person that's sitting down there looking at that menu what what it is that they're that they're eating. And then, you know, going back to one of my favorite restaurants, uh Talbots. Uh Talbots does a great job, especially on their uh, specials menu. They do a special menu for every weekend uh, that they, Talbot comes up with some of the craziest names. They come up with some of the craziest names for some of these dishes. The first dish I had at, uh, at Talbot's was called Second Rule of Fight Club. 
Now, that by itself, I have no idea what in the world that is. But underneath Second Rule of Fight Club, it had the list of everything on that. And, oh boy, you can you can find uh, at foodpocalypsenow.com, I did a blog post about Second Rule of Fight Club that I had first time I ever went to Talbot's. And wow, wow, what a... It's, it's one of those things that... Uh, it was a special. I I haven't seen it since then. Maybe one other time since I've originally had it. But it's one that I I look forward. I look for every time I see a special menu from Talbot's. I'm looking for Second Rule of Fight Club because it was TDG that damn good. Uh, but at any rate, you know Talbot's comes up with very fun and amazing names for their dishes. But they also tell you what what it is. And that, that is a key right there. If I just saw a second rule of Fight Club on a menu, I would have had no idea what it is. But but there was a, a description of what all what it all entailed, and and that, that right there sold it for me. And I, I've been to a lot of restaurants where, you know, they'll they'll have different things, different items on the menu that, you know, I, I have no idea what I'm getting. Even even if it's just, you know, uh fish sandwich uh i what all's on it does it come with tartar sauce on it is there going to be cheese on that cheese on a fish sandwich i, I think it's kind of gross uh, i don't want cheese on my fish sandwich but some places do put cheese on a fish sandwich uh you know you just need to you need to let people you need to be able to let people know what they're getting uh without having to ask i i like i said i i don't want to sit there with the waitress and have to pick her brain on what everything is what's this sauce What's that sauce? What's in this? What's on that? Uh, I want to be able to know what I'm getting. Now, sometimes you, you order something and it'll tell you what to use. You still get surprises. But as long as I understand the the basis of what this dish is going to be, especially when it has a name like uh, Bob's Bongo Wings with the real bongo sauce, uh, at least if I knew what was in the bongo sauce. Is it spicy? Is it a sweet sauce? Uh, then, then at least I have a better understanding of what I'm ordering. Because if I don't know what I'm ordering, I'm probably not going to order it. And that's just one thing that you're not going to sell on your on your menu. And of course, the final thing in my top five pet peeves of restaurants. And uh, we're going to wrap up this uh, this podcast. But uh, number five, and like I said, no particular order. But the last one are restaurant tours that get very defensive on social media. Uh, I get it. You're not going to please everybody. And a lot of times when people complain on social media, it's probably not your fault. It's probably, you know, uh, things out of your control and or, or misunderstandings or what have you. But I've seen a lot of restaurateurs, not all of them, but, you know, there have been more than a handful that I've seen uh, online getting very defensive and combative with people complaining. And I'm certainly of the mind, not of the mindset that the customer's always right. Uh, sometimes the customer's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> having been in radio and dealt with irate listeners from a time, from time to time, I I can I can sympathize with restaurateurs because you know what? Sometimes you take a lot of abuse that has nothing to do with anything you did, and it was things that you tried to make right. But sometimes people just get irate and they want to gripe about it. And social media seems to be the place where people gripe about things. But please, for the love of all that's good and pure, 
don't get into arguments with your with your patrons or ex-patrons on social media. I've seen far too many times uh, somebody complains about something at a restaurant service they had. The meal was this, that, or the other thing. Uh, they got it for takeout and it was cold or it was the wrong size macaroni and cheese or, or what have you. And, and instead of just saying, oh, we're sorry, uh, we'll, we'll make it up to you next time, something like that. You get get some restaurateurs that get very combative, very defensive, and I can understand. This is, like I said before, this is a labor of love for a lot of people who run restaurants, who own restaurants, uh, much like this is a labor of love for yours truly. But, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta take it on the chin and because it, it only makes you look bad. When you're sitting there on social media, going back and forth, arguing, and sometimes like, I've seen it where it's gotten pretty ugly, and you know, I'm just sitting back eating popcorn watching the show, but I, I feel bad for whoever is running or owning the restaurant because I, I'm seeing where this just makes them look horrible, and and it could be of no fault of your own. You could be uh, pristine in all of this and you're still going to come off looking like the heel. Believe me. Uh, yeah, granted, people are going to see that whoever is doing the complaining is probably an idiot as well, but you're never going to come out smelling like roses if you get into arguments and you get combative with your with your clients and your patrons on, on social media. So that is a, a big pet peeve of mine is uh, people people that run and own restaurants that, that just cannot help but have all-out Pier six brawls with their with disgruntled clients or patrons on social media. So, and, and like I said, you know these these are all kind of pet beeves of mine. And there's a lot of restaurants that do not. The vast majority of restaurant tours and restaurants that I know and go to and write about, uh, this isn't a problem for them because they don't do any of these, and that's why they're successful. But I have been to a, a few restaurants that you know they, there's a lot of potential there. But they just, they just need that extra little bit of, of encouragement. I'm hoping this is encouraging. I hope it's not taken as a, uh, as a slight against some, some restaurateurs because I don't mean it as that. They, they are pet peeves, and these are issues that probably should be addressed in, in some restaurants. Not all restaurants, but there are, there are a few out there that I've experienced these sort of things at that I hope they take it and say, hey, you know what, I, I would like to, to better my restaurant and, and maybe take this advice. I, maybe not. Maybe they're like, listen there, fat ass. Don't sit there and tell me how to run my restaurant. You've never run a restaurant before. And they're right, both in the fat ass part and the fact that I've never run a restaurant. So maybe it's none of my business. But you know what? I've got a podcast. I got an opinion. and uh, And that's where we're at right now. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Hopefully, uh, maybe I maybe I struck a chord. Maybe maybe you've been to a restaurant and you've experienced some of these things before, and you're like, "Yeah, damn right, I'm tired of that too. That annoys the bejesus out of me." Uh, but at any rate, hopefully it was uh, hopefully it was a fun ride. Hopefully you had a little entertainment, and hopefully uh, you know maybe maybe somebody maybe somebody that's guilty of one of these crimes against food manity, maybe they're sitting there saying, "You know what? Next time." Chris comes in, he's looking a little long in the waistband. I'm either going to set him at a table instead of our scrawny booths, or I'm going to at least provide him a man-sized shoehorn so we can squeeze his 
that behind into our booths. It's all I can hope for, God willing. So until next time, have yourself a great one. Uh, do check out our website, foodpocalypsenow.com. You can check us out on YouTube. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook, uh, Instagram as well. Like us, share us. Uh, you know, you can grab us, uh, fondle us, all that stuff. Um, just, just be careful. I'm a little ticklish in the flanks and prone to kick. So if you're grabbing me, like right around the rib cage or down by the haunches, uh, I am prone to kick. Just throwing that out there. But uh, until we talk next time, have a great one. Keep eating. <laughs>